All right. <clears throat> hey, turn in your Bibles to Galatians 6, 9. Chapter 6, verse 9, Galatians. We're going to start here. We've got a lot of Scripture we're going to be in because, well, it's Scripture. And it's God's Word. And when God speaks, powerful things happen. And when God speaks, it never falls to the ground. When he says something, it always accomplishes what it's set forth to do. So we're in the Word, and when, when we preach and we teach, everything's got to be based off the Word's principles, precepts, the ways of God come through His Word. His Word is perfect, everlasting. His Word is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. And in Galatians 6, 9, <coughs> I've entitled the sermon today, Almost There. Almost There. Hmm... Galatians 6, 9 says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I just pray that uh, you would anoint and be in this message, because if you're not, it's going to stink. If you're here, it's going to be awesome, because it's going to touch our hearts and move us into action for your kingdom. So come help us out in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 You know... I was uh, thinking earlier this week about kind of almost getting there, almost there. Yeah. Come on, you've been on a vacation. If you have kids, and are we there yet? No, we're same place five minutes ago. But and I began to think about how many times in life, even in this last week, how many times you've just missed something. Or something just missed you. Or you ever see a movie and it's a love story and, and it's a romantic comedy and, and they're, they're in love and all that and there's a great story going and then they, they, they flash back to earlier in their lives when they were actually ran across and ran into each other in the street and said hi, but they didn't know at that time who they were you know, going to meet. It's like that almost part where, man, you could have met that person then. And I begin to think about you know, driving to work and driving to church, and how many times has God stepped in and we've been this close from losing our life? You know, where, you know, have you ever been, you, you ever been driving and then you, you come to your senses and you're like, I've been daydreaming for the last five minutes while driving. How did I get to this place? Oh, yeah. And you don't remember your drive at all and you think, what just happened? I, I almost, I could have died. I mean, I, I don't even know how, I, I wasn't even driving or paying attention, but somehow God comes through and you know, I've been thinking about this theme of almost there. We're almost there. And I think some of you today are believing for something and you're fighting something in your life and, and you think it's a far away, but I, I believe today God's going to show you something that it's closer than you think. And I want to show you a quick video because life can be inches away from not being here anymore. So play that video, dim the lights and watch this video. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> I think it goes on for several more minutes, so you can turn that off. But I want you to see some close calls. You know, sometimes in life we think that we go through life and we don't even get how much God is doing on the other side, the side we don't see. Almost there, almost dead in some of these cases, right? Almost dead. You know, I also thought about the almost of first place. Well, it's known in your notes as second place. <laughs> but almost first place. Have you ever almost got first place? Come on, some of you, have you ever almost got first? No? No one? Yeah, okay, so I'm shaking. Okay, oh, turn the lights up too. It's, it's like a dinner party in here now. It's weird. Um, almost first place. You almost had it all. I mean, you were this close. I remember in high school, we had a great team, and I had a guy on my, I was a sophomore, got moved up to varsity, and we had a guy on our team, 6'11". Name was Kevin. And Kevin uh, was getting looks by all the, the colleges. I mean, we would have practice after practice where there'd be five to ten scouts just sitting on the sidelines scouting out Kevin. And uh, he ended up uh, getting a full ride to UCLA, and uh, did, did great, and, and great guy, and, and he just dominated in high school. I mean, I've never seen so many dunks 
you guys know what a dunk, I mean, everyone knows a dunk, you know, dunks were pretty cool. It's like hitting a home run in baseball. I mean, it's just awesome. And I remember him, he could dunk with such ease. I mean, I remember playing and I would just, you know, I would, I would shoot and I, I shot one, a little bank shot and it, it went off the, ba- the backboard and hit the front of the rim and jumped off. And here's Kevin in the air above the rim, grabs the ball, shabam. And I'm just like, I'm going to miss more often. That's cool. That guy just, it was amazing. And, uh, you know, and we were, um, we started off the season rough. We lost our first game, and then, but then we went undefeated for almost the rest of the whole season. We were uh, uh, undefeated in our league. Uh, we were blowing through the playoffs, and uh, the one right before the big state finals, we lost. And uh, it, was, it was a big game. It was a, it was a fun game, but we almost had it. We were this. We were so close. We just missed it. We, we got second. And I know a lot of us in life, sometimes we've missed that opportunity. We feel like that's a, a place we're in right now. We're, we're almost there. We're believing for something. We're, we're pushing for something. We're expecting something in life. And we're, we're we go, God, we need your help else we're going we're gonna to miss it. You know, and, and then Saul did that. King Saul, if you've been reading with us in your journals, you're going to remember this story. Turn to 1 Samuel 13. In 1 Samuel 13, this is when Saul has been already anointed king of Israel. And this was their first king, remember? And remember, God said, uh, you don't want a king, but your hearts are, are evil and you're not wanting me. You're replacing me. God said, I want to be your king and, and, and I'll love you and be a great king. But if you want to be like the other nations around you, okay, well, I guess we're going to give it to you. So Samuel gave and anointed Saul. And remember when they found Saul, right? He was hiding in the luggage, right? He was scared. And, and, but they looked on the outward side of man, not the heart, and they, they quickly found that Saul was lacking in some heart issues. And we pick it up in 1 Samuel 13, <clears throat> verse 8, and we have this time where, yep, the old Philistines are fighting Israel, uh, a common enemy of Israel throughout their uh, this period of time. And, and they were uh, up against some pretty big numbers. If you read a few uh, verses before, Thousands of chariots were set up against them. Thousands of, of horse soldiers. I mean, they were up against a big battle. So this wasn't something that Saul should just been, hey, I have faith, I'm going to believe this. This was overwhelmingly, in fact, I think it describes the army of the Philistines like sand on the seashore. So can you imagine looking over a plain or a hill and just having a sea of people all wanting to kill you and chop your head off? That's a pretty intimidating place to be. And in fact, a lot of you can be in an intimidating place in your life where you see what you're up against and you get scared. You see what's uh, coming your way. You see what the odds are. You try and get in your mind and you try and reason out and try and plan with your own strength. And, and you see and you're like, man, this is scary stuff. And we pick it up in verse 8 when Saul was in this very place that maybe you're in today. Uh, trying to get a victory, but you see with your eyes the enemy coming your way, and you see a lot of obstacles. And it says in verse 8, he waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offering. And he offered up a burnt offering, and as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. He just missed Samuel's arrival. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at uh, Mishmash and Mishmash, Mushmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down at, to me at Gilgal and I have, have, have not sought the favor of the Lord yet. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering." And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of, your, of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then, listen to this, for then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. He missed it by just a little bit. He just missed this huge opportunity. He almost got it. He was right there. All he had to do, and it says right when he finished the sacrifice, right when he was done, doop, 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 Samuel came walking up. 
He just had to put it off a little longer. He had to stay strong a little longer. He had to stay encouraged a little longer. He had to trust a little longer. He had to believe in his God just a little longer. And he would have had a kingdom forever. But there was a heart issue. And he said here, he said, but now in verse 14, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept the commandment what the Lord commanded you. You see in your notes there, Saul didn't wait. He didn't wait. He didn't learn the lesson of waiting on the Lord. And I want to thank Chris right now because I popped that last song on him yesterday. Hey, can you sing this song tomorrow, Chris? And, you know, and he did an awesome job as he typically does. And, and he got that song. And man, that song, Waiting on the Lord, just really was speaking to my heart all week. And I hope it ministered to you today as you sang it to the Lord. But, but you know what? Saul didn't learn to wait. He got rushed. He got ahead of the Lord. And some of us today, we get ahead of the Lord too when we're trying to wait for something, when we're trying to fight for something, we're trying to believe for it. We get nervous and we get a little fear going up in our hearts and we say, well, I tried, and, and, but God's not here yet and he, he should be. You ever put a timetable on God? You know, God doesn't show up in his appointed time and, and that's what Saul said to Samuel. You weren't here when you were supposed to be, so I just went ahead and took it upon myself to do what I felt was right. We do that in our lives today. And some of you might even be in the process of thinking about doing that on something that you're dealing with right now. And I'm here to say, don't do it, wait. Trust God with all your heart. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't try to do it in your own power. Proverbs 3, 4, 5, and 6 says what? Trust in the Lord and, and lean not on your understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he'll do what? He'll direct your path. He'll make it straight. But that's as you wait on him. You see, he didn't learn to wait. But his predecessor did. I mean, he failed too, right? I mean, David, King David was a mighty man and a God after his God's heart, right? And David, in your notes there, he learned to wait, right? King David, if you look through the Psalms, you'll see the word wait, which is really equivalent to hoping, and you'll see that over and over through the Psalms. I wait on the Lord patiently. I rose and I waited on him. I, I put my hope in him. And all these verses on there about learning to wait. And David learned to wait. In fact, in Psalms 27, 14, it says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. He's going to come through for you. We sang that this morning, we believe that. And you know, David often waited, and it says throughout his life where he was up against a battle and facing something big in his life, and instead of going, I'm going to make the sacrifice and take it into my own hands and do what I think is best here, David said, no, 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 I'm going to stay here. I, I, I'm not sure, so Lord, I'm going to go inquire of the Lord. I'm going to go inquire of the Lord. And the Bible often says David inquired of the Lord and said, hey, God, uh, we got an army out here. If we go up, are you going to be with us? And he said, uh, yep, I'm going to be with you. Go get him. Okay, thank you. And so he waited on the Lord and learned to get the okay and the go-ahead from his king before he went out and tried to fight. You ever go try and fight out and fight a battle without getting the okay first? Get a little step ahead of yourself. Try and make things happen on your own instead of waiting on God. David learned, you know, but David also inquired of the Lord in good ways, but he also inquired in other bad ways, and we remember the story of Bathsheba. In fact, it uses the same word in the, in the, in the translation I use. It says, and he inquired on, about Bathsheba. Wrong kind of inquire. Don't want to inquire that way. But you know, what was great about David is he learned to wait, but it wasn't about, it wasn't about um, his perfection. It wasn't about being perfect. It was about his heart. You see, with Saul, the heart wasn't there. God saw in his heart that it wasn't after God, and then, but he did see in David that it was after his heart. Uh, can I get a... Um, volunteer up here. Uh, I'm going to use you later. Brad, would you come up? You're a big, strong guy. So I want to I, I look at the word wait because it's an important word because when it says wait on the Lord, don't look so mean and tough, you big brute. All right, just stay there and, and don't intimidate me. Um, so the word wait on the Lord is often intermixed, and you can mix it with hope. In fact, a lot of translations translate, instead of the word wait, they say hope. And, and, and I want to look at the word wait, because the word wait in here in the Bible, the root for it is to bind together by twisting. 
<laughs> so put your hands out. So, you know, and it came from a couple things, obviously binding for, you know, for captivity, but also, you know, they do something like this in the marriage, right? They, have you ever seen that where they bind together? I'm not going to bind because I'd be weird with Brad, but, um, <laughs> but the word is getting there and it, all, it says um, to bind together by twisting. You know when you twist it, how it gets tighter? Right, is it getting tighter? Yeah, okay. And so as you twist it, it kind of creates pressure. And when, when I wait on the Lord, it's a hope that he's going to do what he said he would do. Now, it's not hope the way we think of hope. Hope means it may or may not happen. That's American hope. Biblical hope says it's happening. I'm expecting it, and it's going to be any day. It's just a matter of waiting until it happens. That's biblical hope. And the word wait says that I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to bind myself to the promise of God and his word and what he said. And I'm holding fast and I'm not letting go. And I am binding. I am waiting on the Lord. It's going to happen. His word's going to come true. I'm not letting go of it. I'm not getting ahead of myself, God. I'm not going to jump out there and do a sacrifice and not wait for Samuel. I'm going to wait on you, God. I'm going to bind myself. Why are your hands turning purple? Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Brad, for that. Mm -hmm. um, if you can get out. Okay. Did that? Oh, yeah, left some marks. That's good, 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 good. Thank you, sir. I, but I wanted you to get that picture in your mind about binding onto and waiting on God, that your attitude of your heart has to be to where your hope and your courage comes through the binding to what God has said in his word and his promises. His words aren't going to drop down to the floor. They're going to come through for you. So you don't have to get in that nervous spot when you're getting nervous about whether God's going to come through. You have to say, nope. Why, uh, the psalm says, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope bind to God. He's your deliverer. And so if you wait on him, you can do that. And see, David learned the power of waiting. Saul couldn't, he didn't see it. His heart wasn't in the right place. You see, the key to a heart after God is not found in your notes there in perfection, but rather in repentance. You see, a heart after God is not found, because David had a heart after God, but he was definitely not perfect. I mean, he not only committed adultery, but then murdered on top of that and lied about I mean, he, you know, he got a big old thing going there. But the difference was, it wasn't that he was perfect or not. The difference was his repentive heart. It was the attitude of his heart that said, man, I have sinned. I have blown it. God, I want more of you. And that's the heart that God wants to see in you and me. Don't get ahead of God. Don't get behind God, but stay right in step with God. And as you do something, repent, because having a heart for God is found in not perfection or your performance, but rather in repentance. And having a heart that's pliable and changeable to what God wants. You know, when we're waiting for an answer, many of us are doing that. We're waiting for something. We're hoping for something. I mean, we're not only hoping that we get to heaven one day, and we're hoping that, you know, we're hoping Jesus comes back. You know, sooner the better, in my opinion, but God's got a lot of stuff. But in that while, we're all, we're all hoping for things on this earth. We're hoping for a new job. We're hoping for our, a marriage to get better. We're hoping, uh, me and Jen are in hope right now. We're waiting. We have binded ourselves with rope to the promise of God that God gives children to, to his people. There's scriptures all over. So we have bound our hearts to that promise and we are in hope waiting for that. And I know you are in the same key in an area in your life that you're hoping and waiting for. But the key to your answer is found when your heart is willing to wait. The key to getting your answer, the key to finding it and grasping it and coming into one with it is when you get your heart in a place where you're waiting on God. You have to learn to wait. It's a key part of this being almost there or almost making it. I, I just want to encourage you today, don't give up. Don't stop short. You know, the enemy's doing everything he can in your life, every circumstance, anything he can muster up, every thought, every concept he's trying to put in your mind to get you away from believing and binding yourself to the word of God. David learned to wait. What if Jesus didn't wait? You ever think about that? I mean, it is Palm Sunday, right? We're, we're a week out from Easter, and wasn't it at this time that Jesus was pretty popular? I mean, still doing miracles, palm branches, king. Man, he was a pretty popular guy. Everyone loved him. And a week later, they wanted to kill him. And I thought to myself, you know, what if Jesus almost made it to the cross? 
What if he decided, like Saul, to give up before the end and say, you know what, this is getting real hard. Uh, you know, I, I don't think this is worth it. Let, let's see, if there, there's probably another way. How many of us have said that? In our, in our quest to find God in our life and to get free from bondage or, or thought life or, or some uh, habitual sin in our life, we, we get there and we talk ourselves out of it and, and we kind of think maybe there's a better way and maybe we can figure that out on our own. And I thought about that. What if Jesus almost died? You know, 1 Corinthians, Paul says, and if Christ had not been raised, if he had not died and raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sin. You know, if Jesus didn't die, if he almost made it to the cross, you and me are all still in our sin. We're still in bondage. We still have massive debt that we can never pay. If Jesus almost made it, that means he didn't make it. And if he didn't make it, you and me have a debt that we cannot or ever will be able to pay. And now that credit, that credit card would have been through the roof and we would have been history. We're still in our sin, our bondage, our debt, or as I heard Pastor Craig say, our world of hurt. Some would say, well, Jesus could have never failed. I mean, he was God after all, so we can't compare. This is not a good situation to compare. Well, actually it is, because Hebrews 4.15 tells us this, that Jesus, who is our high priest, who, who is able to sympathize with our weakness, but, uh, but one, or excuse me, for we do, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every, say every, every respect has been tempted as we are. Wait a minute, J Jesus was tempted as we are? Uh-huh. Yet without sin. You see, Jesus went through every temptation you're going through. He was just like Saul, thinking, this is getting long. It's getting painful. It's getting hurt. People are rejecting me. In fact, after the first miracle Jesus did, they tried to throw him off a cliff. I mean, come on. Jesus could at any time and did have the, the, the ability and the, 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 the thoughts that came in and said, just like he was tempted in the wilderness, throw yourself off the, the ledge here. Make this bread, a stone into bread. He was tempted like we were. He's tempted also, guys, I want you to tell you to give up like some of you in this room are ready right now before you came to church this week and even this last week, you were telling yourself how, you know what, I'm just gonna give up on this. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Jesus had the same temptation when he was going to Calvary. He had the same temptation, guys, to give up on what God's plan for, was for him. But I tell you what, Jesus had that temptation, but he overcame it. And listen to 16. Because he was tempted as we are without sin, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in time of need. That tells me that my Jesus went through the same things I'm going through but conquered them and is now waiting for me to help me and give me grace and power to get through what I'm facing right now, whatever it may be. Look at the scene. Look at the scene with me. It, you know, it's, it's coming up in a few days. He's at Gethsemane, or the Mount of Olives, excuse me. And remember this story in Luke 22? Luke 22, when he goes to pray, and he, and he gets his disciples with him. Luke 22, 39, uh, read with me there. It says this, and, and he came out and went, and as his, was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. Verse 40 in Luke 22. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Verse 41, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. And listen to what Jesus said in verse 42. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. What was Jesus saying there? He was saying, Dad, if there's any way out of this mess, any way out of this way of getting to the, the, the end of the means, right, or the means to the end, can you remove, can we do with something else? Can we change the plan here? Is there any other way we can do this other than the way you've laid out for me in Scripture my whole life? I've been reading it, and I've been seeing it, meditating on your words, so I know what my path was going and where it was headed. Is there any way we can change that, God? Any of you like that? Oh, God, can we do this any other way? Can I change this? I don't want to go through it the way you've, you've set this up, God. And, and I know some of it's my fault, but God, is there any way we can change this? And, and the father's like, yeah, but the way I set out will be the best for you and the best for others. Are you willing to do that? And look what Jesus said. It's awesome. We all remember it. Nevertheless, Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And there, and, and there, an angel appeared to him, an angel from heaven, strengthening him. 
God always provides strength for you to get through what you're going through. If you at just the right time stay strong and don't give in to doubt and fear and don't give up on God and don't try and get ahead of him, but you wait on him, you bind that string around and you wait on Jesus. Amen? What a great story. I'm so glad Jesus didn't just almost make it, but he fulfilled it. In fact, he said on the cross, it's almost finished. No. He said, it is finished. He did it. And I want to give you a few things in closing today to remember what to do. I want you to ask these questions to yourself when you're at that point. And I know some of you are in the season right now in your life where you're at this point of you're almost there, but you're not sure if you can make it to the end. And here's a couple things I want you to remember as you, as you go through this week. And I want you to meditate on these and, and say these and ask these out loud and really talk to yourself about what your answer is. Because what your answer is to these questions will help you get through and be able to wait and make it. Question number one. When you're wanting to give up, when you're wanting to throw the towel in and say, no more, I'm done, I can't do it. When you're wanting to get ahead of yourself or ahead of God and do it on your own, I want you to ask yourself this first question. What did he say? What did God say? Because it's got to be based on the word. It's got to be based on what he said. And that's implied with Jesus' story at the Mount of Olives. God, not your will, or not my will, but your will. Well, what's his will? He said it all throughout scriptures. He's going to go a sacrifice to the, as a lamb. He's going to be silent. He's going to do all these things, born of a virgin. All these prophetic words spoken, laid it out, and God spoke it and said it. And he went back and he said, no, not my will, but I'm remembering right now, as I want to give up, Jesus says, as I want to do this a different way, if I want to go the easier route, my flesh wants to go the easier route. You ever been there? Your flesh wants to take the easy. And Jesus was there and he said, I want to take the easier route, but I'm going to remember what did God, my father, say to me? Because my strength is based on what his word says. What did Jesus tell? You remember Matthew 3? Remember Jesus when he got baptized? Behold, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. Can you imagine at that point where he's facing sure death and pain and suffering that he asks himself, what did God say? And he remembers back and coming out of that water and being baptized and then the Father God saying, this is my son. I love you. I am so pleased with you. Wow, what an encouragement. God will encourage you in the same way, guys, as you are faced at that same pinnacle turning point of if you're gonna stay steady or give in. Maybe it's even staying steady to not sin. And you want to give in to sin, but that's a pinnacle where you're, you're just about to sin and you're going to say, what did God say to me? What, what is God's word over me? The Bible says he sings over us. What's God's song over you? It's a great question to ask. The father said it over the son, and you know whatever he said over Christ, he says over you. Do you believe that? I said whatever God says over Christ, he says over you. How can you say that, Pastor Doug? Because you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, whatever was given to Christ has been given, all authority and power in heaven has been given to me, Jesus says. Now you go therefore. That's a transfer of power and authority from Jesus Christ to you to walk and do what Jesus did. Jesus loves you. So ask that question. What did he say to you? What word are you holding on to this morning? If you're not, get one. If you need help finding a word, talk to me, talk to another believer. We'll get a word from God that you can hold on to for what the promises, what's going on in your life, what you're fighting. Don't give up. You're almost there. You're almost there. Number two, the second question you want to ask yourself is to ask this, what will this produce? If I stick with this, what will this produce? Okay, I need a couple more volunteers. Actually, I'm going to change my volunteers and not pick on Mikey because I usually pick on Mikey. Isaiah, you're a strapping young man. Why don't you come up? Well, let's have a brother duo. <laughs> Josiah, why don't you come up? So if you could stand right over there. Josiah, can you come stand over here? And go ahead and put that picture up for me, uh, Michaela. Did you get it? Did you get it? Okay, so, well, that, uh, that's the push-up, not really. So a plank is going to be like this. So you guys, not yet. You're going to get down, and you're going to go like this. Okay? Straight, down. You've done a plank before, right? Okay, you've done one? Okay, so 
I'm going to put a timer of a minute on here, okay? So can you guys face this way? Now, there's a purpose to this, I think. I, <laughs> well, I had to make one because I, I just wanted to see you do it. So, um, so get down and get ready. I'm going to turn the timer. We're going to see who can go a full minute without caving in. So we're looking for straightness, and if their butt, if their butt goes too high or too low, you say something. Okay, guys, ready? All right, let's get, oh, wait, my timer's not there. Let's see, let's get a timer here going. All right. Um, okay, ready? Go. Okay, so they're in planks. So now why they're planking, I want to continue to preach. <laughs> Me and my wife have been planking every night together. We're just doing that for fun. We're trying to get in shape, strengthen the core. And what I thought about this last week was me and Jen get on there, and I'm the one that keeps the time, right? So I have the phone. We're right by each other, but she can't always see my phone. And so, you know, it's getting, it's getting closer, and it's been long, and how's it feeling, guys? Is, it not, is this easy for you guys? It's it's, are you shaking? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being honest, because I shake, like, within three seconds. Are you shaking? A little bit, yeah. Okay, so hang, hang tight. We're good, we're good there. So, but, you know, um, the, uh, the, the funny thing is that Jen's like, when's the minute up? Well, how, much, how much more time? And I'm like, we're almost there, babe. You know, but I can see it. So I have, I know. But she's like, oh, and I keep, I keep saying to Jen, almost there. You're almost there. Oh, and I was planking too, though. So we're, you know, we're shaking, you know. And, uh. Almost there, guys. Keep it up. You know, I wonder which brother's stronger. You know, <laughs> you know, the brother duo. If my boys were up here, they'd probably start fighting. You know, they, you know, uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be a massive uh, competition. How's it feeling, guys? Kind of burning. Yeah, burning. <laughs> you you guys are good, Matt. They're young. I was gonna get older people up here. Hey, Craig and Mikey, can you guys? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so almost there. But see, as you're doing this. Josiah's thinking, this is going to produce a sculpted stomach where I can walk on the beach and turn to the girls and flex the muscles that show up, and I will be accepted by all women on earth. So, so it's what we see that it's going to produce is why we go through the pain. Wow, you guys are awesome. I, I turned the timer off because, okay, you guys can be done. Right. Give him a hand. <laughs> I was sweating watching it. That was hard. I was like, <laughs> does it feel like super tight right now? You're like, oh, yeah. Well, they're young. They like recover in five minutes. It takes me five days to recover. All right. So the second question was, what will this produce? And you've got to ask yourself when you're facing a tough time of feeling like you want to give up on something, to ask yourself, God, what's this going to produce in me? If I stick this out, the Bible tells us in James that every trial and tribulation is there to produce something good in us. God's out to produce something good. And so you have to remember in your mind why you're doing what you're doing, why you're standing on God's word, why you're not giving in to the enemy. Because we all have the free will to give in to our temptation and tell the guy off that's driving in front of us and give him the birdie and flip him off, right? We all have the freedom to cuss somebody out. We all have the freedom to go get hammered and get wasted on drugs. We have the freedom to do all that. You guys can do all that. We have a free will. But you got to ask yourself, what will that produce? If I give up, what am I going to miss out on? If I don't do my plank, if I don't make the whole minute, what am I going to miss out on? What's it going to be for you? So what will it produce? You can write in your notes there Hebrews 12, and you can put 3 through 11. I'm not going to read it all, but this is a great topic about being disciplined. Did it feel good while it was happening, Isaiah? It wasn't feeling good. How quickly did it not feel good? About 10 seconds? <laughs> So listen to this in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5. He said this, um, or verse 6, For the Lord disciplines those he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And verse 11, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Was that painful or pleasant? Painful. So, but at the moment, it seems pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Josiah's walking on the beach. 
if we stand strong and remember what we're doing this for, it gives us courage and strength to know that this is for something better. Think about what Jesus thought. He had to go back and ask himself the same question. Man, I'm going to get beat up, spit on, whipped. I mean, he knew all this stuff was coming. Crucifixion, dehydration. I mean, all kinds of stuff was going to happen in one week, less than a week away. And he had to say, Father, not my will but yours. And he was thinking, this is going to be good for so many people. If I do this, I can bring life to the world. I can bring eternal life. And guys, when you overcome something in your life, you birth life to others too. But you got to remember what's it going to produce to help you get through that. What is God producing in you? Number three, you got to remember who you are. Who are you? Ask that self your question. Who am I? God, I got to remember, I feel like giving up. Remind me who I am. Remember that song? Remind me who I am again. Remind yourself, you are his child. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are God's friend. You are a member of his body. You're a co-heir with Christ. I mean, the Bible's full of them. Remember the bookmarks I gave you about who you are in Christ? You can find hundreds of scriptures based on telling you who you are. But also remember in this question, who you are in his plan. What's your role and calling in your identity? See, just remembering who you are is great, but to ask yourself, God, what is my role in this plan? Because Jesus had to say, look, I'm the one that's having to suffer here. I've got to remember not only that God loves me and who I am, but I've got to remember my role and what God's called me to do because God's calling each of you to something different. And your something different could make the difference for someone else. Your something unique will uniquely help someone else get through what they're fighting. So when you fight for that, remember that you have a role in this. And remember who you are. Remember what God has called you to. And remember what your, your calling is in this uh, question. Are you convinced about who you are? Are you super convinced about your identity in Christ? Or do you just know about it? Has it gotten from here about who you are and down to here? Or is it still up here? You know the verses. You know what it says. But do you believe who you are? Do you look yourself in the mirror? And at this question, I would, I would advise at all questions to be saying all this out loud, confession with the mouth, Speak it out. Don't just think it in your mind. It only has power when you speak out and the, the sound waves hit the, er, uh, hit the air and all of a sudden that bursts out, it brings in the spirit realm into the physical realm and collides them together with the words you speak. Do you know that the words you speak carry power when they're of God? When you speak forth, that's why the word is so powerful. Life and death is held in the tongue. And so when we speak out, we're bringing what's in the spirit realm out and making it manifest in the physical realm. And that's an exercise of faith. So speak it out. Number four, ask this question when you're up against uh, quitting or feeling like you're almost there, but you can't, you can't make the last hundred yards. Where is the door? Where's the door? Now that might sound like I'm out of here. But listen, this, there is always a way out, over, under, or through. Now, this is not a way out to get out of your circumstance. This is a way out from giving in to the lie that's going to keep you from your destiny. Okay? This isn't, there's an always a way out. Remember, um, listen to what Isaiah 43 says about this. Where God finds a way where there is no way. Where you think you're done and can't go on, just like those guys were planking and they're thinking, man, if, I was, if people weren't watching me and I look like a wimp, I'd, just, I'd give up on this thing, but I'm not going to look like a wimp, so I'm going to keep going. And that was their way out, man. It, okay, a little pride there, but who cares? You know, It's going to help me get there, right? There's always a way out so that you can get and do what God wants you to do. Listen to Isaiah 43, verse 16. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. Israelites didn't see a way. They came up to that body of water, and the last thing on their mind, they didn't even think it, was God was going to open up and part the sea. Wow. Verse 17, who brings forth chariots and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they're extinguished, quenched like a wick. Verse 18, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, verse 19, I, the Lord, am doing a new thing. 
Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness uh, and rivers in the desert. He will make a way where there is no way. And so you always have to know when you're about ready to uh, give up and say, God, where's the door? Not to get out of your circumstance, but to get out of the doubt and unbelief that's creeping in your heart to give up. God will provide a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There is no temptation except what that has overtaken you that is a common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted. Tempted to do what? Tempted to get out of his will. Tempted to doubt when you should be exercising faith. Tempted to operate in the flesh instead of the spirit. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Amen. Aren't you glad that God has it for you that instead of giving up and, or giving in to the enemy, you can stand strong and he's going to find a way out? So always ask the question, where's my door? Where's my escape route? You know, when pilots fly, they are trained to always look for a place to land. Did you know that? So they're always fine. They're always ready for if something goes wrong. Where am I landing this big hunk of metal? Because they've got to land it on a highway and they have plans on their routes. They know wherever they're at, they know where they're headed because they've got to have a plan. And God always has a landing strip for you guys. You don't have to worry about it. He's there. You've got to call on his name, trust him and listen, open up your heart and he'll be there for you. The fifth question to ask, and we're almost done. Uh, where will my power come from? You ever, you got to ask that question because it's going to be tough. This ain't going to be an easy time. And I know some of you today are going through a tough time where you've thought in your head today, even maybe while I'm speaking, is that Doug just doesn't get where I'm at. Doug just doesn't understand how hard this is for me. Doug doesn't understand what's going on inside my brain or my heart. He doesn't get what I've been through. He doesn't know the pain that I've experienced. You're right, I don't, but God does. And God promises to provide you strength even when you can't see the way out, even when you, can't, you don't think you have the strength to do it. You see, at the, uh, at the garden, the Father provided strength when Jesus needed it most. I love that verse at the end that says, then angels appeared and strengthened him. What a crucial time to come and give Jesus the strength to go on. Did it come from himself? No, it came from the Father. Through the angels came down and ministered to him strength, and now he was able to go to the cross for you and me. See, he couldn't have maybe done that without the help of strength from the Father. Just like you and me can't make it through ours without strength from the Father. We have to rely on him. We have to call on him for strength. The Father sent angels to strengthen Jesus. He will send his strength to you. Acts tells us this. If you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You know what that word means? Martyrs. It means you will be ready to go preach Jesus, and if your life goes, it goes. You'll be so empowered to do God's will, nothing on this planet will stop you. And if it does, hallelujah, you're a martyr, and you get extra blessings in heaven. Did you know that? Did you know there's something special waiting for those who give their life for the gospel's sake? So God will give you power. Ephesians 3 tells us this. Listen to this, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think according to his power that works in us. Whoa, whoa. Did you catch that last phrase? according to the power that works in us. Wait a minute, you tell me, you just tell me I gotta wait for God to come strengthen me. Yeah, his spirit in you is power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and will empower you. And listen to this, in, in Ephesians 3 it says, above, abundantly above all that we could ask, think, or imagine, according to the power that's within us. So that ability to have power and strength to fight through is according to or in measure to how much power is in you. So two things. One, you have the power of God, so you have unlimited resource living inside you right now. Huh? That's why I talked about tapping into uh, the Spirit and opening the door of your heart to let the Spirit out. Because you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you in power. You can be a Christian saved and keep a door lit on your heart so tight that when you're calling on power, you're not getting nothing. Because you've got to let God have his way through your life. This is called surrender, church. It's called surrendering your heart and your life and your mind, your soul, your being to him. And he will come through in power. 
We all know the, the familiar one, Philippians 4.13. We can do how much through Christ? All things. So call on the name of the Lord. Ask the question, where's my power come from, God? And he'll answer from me, do you need some? Yes, Lord, I really need your strength and power right now. And he'll say, open up your heart, I'm right here. And I'll empower you and help you do anything you set your heart to. The last question to, rem to remember is this. Why am I on this journey? When you're about ready to quit and give up, you don't want to go through the next phase of life, you've got to ask yourself, why am I on this journey? Remember in Hebrews 12, it talked about Jesus, and it said that the joy that was set before him helped him endure the cross. Jesus had to remember, why am I on this journey? He had to remember what this was all for so that he could have the strength and power to go through. He had to remember his purpose and plan in God's uh, plan for his life. He had to remember why he was dying for and who he was dying for. He put his joy, he set his eyes on the joy that would come because of what he did to help him get through what he was currently doing. And some of you guys need to get your eyes on the promise of God and what it's going to be producing in your life and where it's going to go and what God's promised you instead of keeping your eyes focused on you and your problem. Get your eyes off your problem, quit focusing on the mountain, and get your eyes on the mountain mover, the Savior, the King of Kings, the guy who can help you. You can't do it. If you keep looking at your problem, meditating on your problem, thinking about your problem, you're going to have a problem. If you get your eyes off of your problem and onto the problem solver, then you're on the right path and you're going to start seeing the, uh, the, the resolution present itself as God's spirit flows in you and, and, and thrives in you. The journey is so important, church. So, so many of us get so caught up in getting to the end that we want the means to go quickly. We, we don't want the journey. We want the result. We, we don't appreciate the journey. And, and I got to tell you something, God. Guys, God is more concerned about your journey than what you're believing for. In fact, your last in your notes says this, God cares more about your development as his child than your personal happiness. Let that one sink in. God cares more about you developing and becoming like Christ than he cares about your personal happiness or if you get what you want. And I think, church, we need to, when, you, when you're ready to give up and you're frustrated and it's taking longer than you thought, like Saul, it took longer than he thought for Samuel to get there and he took it on his own. When that's happening to you, Remember that God cares about the journey you're doing. He cares about the hard times. He's forming you and shaping you and fashioning you into, his, into his, the image of his son so that, listen, that you can rule and reign with him. God cares a lot about your future. And how you live this life is going to determine how you live your future of eternity. That's why God cares about your journey. So don't forget, God, doesn't, God cares more about the development of you as a son or daughter than he does about your personal happiness. He cares about your kingdom-mindedness. He cares about where your focus is at because if it's just about getting what you want and desire, you're missing the whole point. You with me? So don't forget those questions because a lot of you are almost there. Almost there. Will you watch this video in closing with me? We play the almost video, please. Take the lights down. What side of almost are you on? That's my challenge for you guys today, is that you would not give up on what God's put in front of you, that you would stand strong in his word, and that you would keep fighting the good fight of faith. I want to go back to Galatians. 6, 9. It's where we started. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for giving us your powerful word and your spirit to help us through these times. Lord, we pray that we would take your word in today and not just be hearers only, but doers, that we would put this to application in our life. And God, with every head bowed and eye closed, Lord, we just, I just want to ask right now, 
I want to make sure everyone in this room today has given their life to Jesus 100%. And if you're here this morning and you can't answer a solid yes and amen to that question, is your heart 100% belonging to Jesus? If that's not, if you can't answer yes to that and that's not you, I want to give you the opportunity to ask Christ to come in and take all of it. And if that's you this morning and you can't answer yes to that, but you do want to make that 100% commitment to him, if that's your heart's desire, would you just lift your hand up and that'll make me realize I need to pray and we're going to pray with you. Anyone else? I want my heart to be 100% yours, God. I've given you 85 for many years, but I've locked you out of parts of it that I don't want anyone in and I want you to take it all. Anyone else this morning would say, yeah, Pastor Doug, that's me. I love Jesus. I believe in him, but I haven't surrendered all. And today I want to make that a day where I do surrender all. Father, I just thank you and I pray for those that raise their hand, God. Father, that you would rush in like a mighty wind and fill up all the spots of the house that you would come in, Lord. By the raising of their hand, they made a confession to you that they need more of you. So God, we ask that you would fill us 100%. God, we ask that you would give us the courage to surrender 100%. And Lord, even for those that did not raise their hand and they know in their hearts right now that their hearts aren't 100% yours, I pray for them too that you give them courage. Courage to give the rest over. Courage to quit playing the game and to get in the game with you. Because we love you, God. We need you. In fact, God, the more we give to you, you said the more you give to us. If a man loses his whole life, he'll gain all of God. But if he keeps his life, he'll lose everything he has with God. So today, God, we surrender our whole lives to you because we'd rather have you than this world. We love you. And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, guys. Well, God bless you guys. Love you. Easter's next week. How exciting is that? We're going to have breakfast at 9 o'clock. So make sure you bring a friend and come early and just hang out and eat some breakfast with us to enjoy some coffee. And then we're going to just worship and enjoy Jesus. And I'm going to talk about what happened at the cross on the day of the resurrection. What happened in the spirit realm? It's going to be pretty exciting because it, it means freedom for you and me. And it means victory for us. So I'm excited to talk about that. But um, have a great week and uh, make sure you um, bring a friend next week. Because Easter, people's hearts are going to be open to hearing the gospel. And that's maybe the only time they'll go to church with somebody. So um, invite them, take a bold step and do it. Amen? I right, love you guys. Have a great week.